0: like to call this business workshop i'm sorry council workshop on tuesday june 18th 2021 do we still rise and say the pledge of allegiance again we start from the top or
1: uh we can go right to public participation okay perfect
0: excellent um we should do roll call nevertheless for the record okay virginia roll call please
2: mayor Branquino? here councilmember barbosa here councilmember danko here councilmember clufus present mayor all members are present excellent
0: okay we will now open it up for public participation anyone who would like to make a comment please approach the podium state your name for a record and you have three minutes to speak once you do so sir you can say thank you again if you wish (laughs) (laughs) okay I see no one approaching the podium I'm going to close public comment
3: oh I'm sorry Robert McDonald Palm Coast the word respect it's a pretty powerful word and it doesn't come easy or cheap respect has to be earned last week I publicly said that I may not agree with the council but I respect the position that you all hold I asked a question about this supposed list and I asked who was on it, why were they on it, and how did you get off it? I, had, I got no response from the city to my question. So now my question to the city is, why then was I disrespected? The few people who come here every week come because we care. We come for answers to our questions and all of our concerns. And all we ask in return is respect. Remember, your seat that you're sitting in this morning is short-lived. Your time to be respected is hopefully forever.
4: Thank you.
0: Next speaker.
5: Morning.
6: Carol Brassfield I'm really nervous I don't like talking in public but I just have a question about the traffic study on pine lakes I know it was tabled a couple of meetings ago and concerns that um, there's now a new community being built off of pine lakes and um, I was concerned about the traffic if studies on that if that was included in the one that's Concerning the apartments that are being built further down on Pine Lakes in um, Palm Coast Parkway, I was just um, concerned because, by my um, estimates, it's going to be an additional two thousand more cars on Pine Lakes. There's no traffic lights on Pine Lakes. And the this it's like a speedway at night, and um, we live our house backs up onto Pine Lakes um, Parkway, and we hear loud mufflers and speeding cars into the night, up in you know like 10 o'clock or midnight. But anyway, I was just concerned where the studies were at this time. Thank, thank, thank you. you.
0: Next speaker.
5: Good morning, Good morning. Robert Young. I've been before you many times and I told you that my tolerance was over. The last thing I heard from Ed or not Ed, but the let's see, he's not here today. One of the council members was that I made some threats to the city. One of them was there would be blood in the streets, and the next one was I was going to put a gun to somebody's head. I was a little shocked by those, but I was already filing a civil suit against the city. So it didn't uh, deter me, but I will make a comment here on those two issues before I serve the city. One is, more than two years ago, I stated In several documents that I gave the city including the city attorney and all the council members that using whistleblowers was illegal not only is it legal it creates strife in the neighborhood and anger frustration you empower these people it's illegal according to the federal statutes and according to the state federal statutes by doing this I said you are creating blood in the streets I never once said I was creating blood in the streets another note, I had two individuals tell me they were going to steal my personal property on private land. Those two people were the code enforcement managers. Upon myself hearing that and being confronted by Luis Mendez, I stated that if that was going to be the case. I would protect my personal purpo- property, and I would call the police, and I will use any force necessary to hold them there until the police arrive. The next thing I heard was that I was putting a gun to somebody's head. So let me read you trespassing property rights under the federal statute, 810.09. A person without being authorized, licensed, or invited willfully enters upon a remains in the property other than a structure or conveyance as w- to which notice against entering or remaining is given, either by actual communication, offender, by, or by posting, fencing, or cultivating, is guilty of trespass. So I told him that he was trespassing on my property. I told him by taking my sign that he was committing a crime. And instead of investigating Barbara Grossman and Luis Mendez, Criminal activity. I hear that I'm threatening them, and then you had a bunch of police officers here. <coughs> this is going to be hurt. I filed this case with the district court. You are now being served. Thank you, sir. Can you please drop those off for them? Next speaker. <coughs> and yes those are all papers
0: thank you next speaker I see none I will close public comment Uh, mr. McDonald I'm sorry that no one got back to you I assume I'm sorry no one got back to you I assume with the little bit of shift that we had this previous week can can you guys hear me microphone nope Mic's not on how about now? Nope. Okay. Temporary difficulties. Hang on one second. Hello. Okay.
7: Nope, they're all off. How can hear
0: Okay. So I'll just speak loudly. Robert, uh, I'm sorry that no one got back to you last week. I think with the shift and change of there we go. Thank you very much. I think the change in management may have um, eroded your your email and the propensity for someone to reply to you. If we're going to figure that out today, and if you could get back, Denise, I appreciate it. Thank you. <coughs> Uh, Carol, also, if we could provide Carol with the most recent traffic studies that the developer presented, I think two business workshops ago, that would, uh, it elaborates on the exact traffic details and the analysis that has all the details that I think you're looking for. And if not, uh, we can work with staff to get you what you need. So, thank you. Um, <coughs> moving on to presentations. E1 <coughs> is. Excuse me.
8: Yep. Um, it's the first time this I've heard what that gentleman was talking about. Uh, can we get a little background on this? I've. I've
0: I'd, I totally don't
9: unaware of this or I don't think it.
0: that if he actually served the city, we should probably not I have not seen a copy open of, case. of
9: whatever it is that the gentleman uh, provided to the city this morning. Um, if it is, if it is a, a lawsuit, then I would, uh, w- our office will analyze it and, and, and respond accordingly on behalf of the of the city. Um, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh, no. Uh, okay, other that's I know as much, I know as much as because as I don't what know. you heard this, this yeah. morning, obviously it involves some concerns that the gentleman has about his property and about code enforcement uh, that it allegedly took some action out there some time ago with regard to, to his property. Um, beyond that, I, I don't know anything about uh, the history of that or or about the
8: lawsuit. Uh, I'm, I'm just concerned he said the name Ed and looked at me, but then said, no, the person's not here. Is he referring to our mayor? I'm know? speculating. I d- don't again, know. Okay. I
9: don't know. I don't know, sir. Okay. Yeah, we'll 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 you know we'll determine once once I have a chance to to take a look at the documents that, uh, that were handed to the city clerk this morning. We'll we'll process it accordingly.
7: Okay. Yes. okay. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Well, uh, if I may, uh, I think I know what the gentleman is talking about, but due to the fact that he has filed, uh, I would hold my comments at this point because uh, I'm pretty sure that we'll be. We uh, saying those comments to our, uh, council and in court.
0: Excellent. All right. Thank you. <coughs> uh, moving on to the presentations now. Presentation one is a resolution approving the proposed refinance of the series 2013 utility system, improvement bonds, Helena.
10: Good morning, council. Yeah. Morning. Uh, the city has, <coughs> the city has been working with, uh, Mark Galvam from Hilltop Securities on a comprehensive approach to any refinancing opportunities of city debt so that we could realize uh, debt service savings without extending uh, the life of the loans. So Mark Galvin is with us uh, via Zoom today and he has a presentation for council and then we'll be here to answer any questions you may have. Thank you.
11: Good morning. This is Mark Galvin with Diltop Securities. what we'll be doing is just going over a quick review of where we are as far as the status of the 2013 um, utility revenue bond refunding, um, a full set of packages um, as far as your approval, the resolutions, supplemental resolutions, and everything will be coming forward to you at the next city council meeting on um, June the 22nd. But what I wanted to do is kind of give you an update of where we are today. Um, if if As Helena mentioned, this has been part of an ongoing type of program that we've had um, working with the um, the city with the idea of being able to identify potential um, financings that could provide debt service savings to the city. Uh, Back in October uh, at the workshop, we talked uh, a little bit, we presented um, three opportunities to be able to refund. One was the Series 2013, where we are today. Also the Series 2016 um, utility system revenue note and also looking at the subordinated 2017 for potential debt service savings. Back in December, um, the city actually um, locked in and closed on two financings, um, the Series 2016 and the 2017 notes. Um, the, just to kind of remind everybody, the Series 2016 note was originally with Emeritus um, Bank. They lowered their interest rate from 2.48% to 1.75%. And what that did is translate into total debt service savings of over $2.2 million over the life of the financing. Um, the same thing with the series 2007. Um, to note, we um, negotiated with um, Center State Bank, which lowered their rate from 2.35% to 1.45% the, um, with debt service savings over the life of the issue of about 363 and then, as soon as those two were uh, completed, since the, the series refunding of the series two thousand would require a bond issue, we started off having our kickoff meeting on the twenty um, second to start getting the members of the financing team focused on um, being able to refund the two thousand and thirteen. Um, so, since um, January, um, you know, we've been preparing, working with your um, your city staff, your attorneys put together um, the necessary resolutions and documents like I said that's going to be presented to you on the 22nd. Also to be able to prepare the preliminary official um, statement which is like a prospectus in the um, stock uh, area is that we needed information from the uh, engineers report and also some financial protection for the city. Um, just recently on May 24th we gave a um, Rating presentation staff and um, ourselves gave rating presentations to both standard and cores and Fitch rating services. Um, just this week, we got the results um, or and um, just let you know, back in December, um, as part of the ongoing surveillance program, Fitch um, increased your ratings from A plus to double A, a two notch upgrade, which is usually, that's extremely unusual for them to jump you up two notches and um and we this week got confirmation that they are um, they have confirmed the double a rating. so congratulations that's terrific rating in addition just yesterday um we received notification from um, s p that they are also upgrading your rating from a plus to double a minus that's just a a one notch uh, upgrade but that's fantastic and will be extremely um, valuable to the city when we go for a competitive sale because you'll be Double A on both Fitch and S and P. So, congratulations once again. Um, also, just to make sure that when we're ready for financing, if there's an opportunity to squeeze a little bit more savings, we've also submitted some um, insurance packages to build America Mutual and Assured Guarantee, with the idea that if they if they can save you additional money, we would buy municipal bond insurance. Um, this is kind of a summary of what we're going to be refunding. Um, like in, back in two thousand and thirteen. Um, these original bonds refunded the um, original 2003 bonds which is what they used to acquire the existing um, utility system um, the current bonds have interest rates ranging from four percent to five percent the final maturity is 10 one 2023 the max annual debt service um, on that is six million eight and the bonds are callable in 2023 like i said the um back in 2000 and um, They refunded the 2003 bonds. It's secured by net revenues of the um, utility system, and also impact fees. And these ratings were uh, before S&P just um, gave us their um, upgrade. So, one of the things that we're looking at right now is that because of the call date on them will be 10-1-2023. We can't do it to traditional tax exempt advance refunding that has now been outlawed by the federal government. So, but we can do a taxable um, refinancing. So um, that's our our, our goal here. Our goal is to try to maximize the debt service savings. One of the items that you'll see when you get the resolution is that we have put in um, a minimum um, debt service savings amount Um, We're refunding, we're doing what they call a partial refunding. We're refunding only the bonds that we can squeeze debt service savings out. Also, because of your high ratings, um, we're recommending we do this as a competitive sale, which is following your city's policy. Actually, not a policy, it's just historically, is that when we did the 2013, um, we were able to get, uh, we did that on a competitive basis. So what competitive basis means we will, uh, once we're, uh, the city has approved all of the documents, we'll go basically let the, um, the street know that the city has got their bonds outstanding, and then um, on um, right around the first week in July, we'll go ahead and, and receive bids for your city's bonds. Also let you know we're not extending the life of the financing, we're keeping it the same 10 136 um, All the covenants are exactly the same. And as I said before, in the documents, we're just not gonna do this refunding just to do it. Um, we're doing it is that you get maintain at least the minimum um, GFOA standard of 5%, which means on a present value basis, $2.8 million. Uh, page five is nothing more than a picture of where we are right about now. Um, as you can see, the issue size will be about 62 million. Um, the savings will be close to around $280,000. Currently, uh, the present, the refunding savings over the life of the issue is over 4.2 million. And if you look at that as on a present value basis and present valuing, technically, even though you can't get the cash up front, this is what the cash, the value of it would be in today's dollars would be about 3.6. And then um, your refunding um, savings is 6.36%. And that's important because it goes back to that previous slide, where we are saying that um, at a minimum, We wouldn't do it if it's less than 5%. So what's next, okay? Um, At the 22nd uh, meeting, you're going to receive an amended and restated master bond resolution and a supplemental resolution. Um, The amended and restated master resolution is nothing more than the master documents with all the major covenants associated with it. And the supplemental resolution will deal with just this series of bonds. And with that, um, it allows for it authorizes um, the sale of the bonds on a competitive basis. It authorizes the interim city manager and the mayor to say all the required documents. And some of the attachments, which will look pretty thick, is um, on the supplemental resolution there will be an actual copy or a draft of the preliminary official statement, the formal um, notice of sale. Um, there's a lot of other little attachments to be able to do it in advance refunding. A registrar and paying agent agreement a disclosure agreement and an escrow deposit agreement um, and just to kind of give you the further status is that once you are um, assuming that you approve it the notice of um, sale will be advertised the pos will be mailed and then we'll have the bid opening on right around the july 8th and assuming we get um, a great response we'll move forward and close somewhere right around july the 27th um, so with that, that's the end of my presentation. I'll, if you have any questions, I'll be happy to um, try to answer them for you. Sure. Mark,
0: I have one question regarding the bond insurance. Um, could you just give us a quick uh, top to bottom on when that would be advantageous to go ahead and pair this with bond insurance and what the discriminant would be on to not have bond insurance on this?
11: Well, what will happen on a competitive sale is that obviously everybody is trying to compete against each other to get the lowest bid so they can buy the bonds. And so what they do is that they bid a price. Um, they give us a coupon and they bid a price, you know, what they call a true interest cost. Now they, the, um, the, the bidders can decide whether or not they think to win the bid by purchasing insurance, which they pay for, would be in their best interest. So to a certain point, what we do is that we give the street or the underwriters, the opportunity, if they think that buying bond insurance will get you a lower TIC, then they will go ahead and include include that in their bid. So technically, we're not going through and saying this is better, this is, we're giving the street the opportunity. Um, if they feel that, hey, I can do this with a double A and a double A AA-, minus, I don't need bond insurance, then why add the extra cost? So they will determine whether or not it is um, to their advantage. And actually, that's what we did in 2013 when we ended up um, bidding out and did a competitive deal. We gave the street the opportunity that if you thought that you can get a better deal for the city by buying insurance, you're welcome to do it. Um, You just have to pay for it in your bid. Understood. Thank you.
0: Uh, Council. do we have any questions?
7: I just think that for us to be uh, rated
11: A-plus in bubble A, it's a very good advantage for us. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely! What's great is that you're you just upgraded from A plus to double A minus. I mean that that is terrific. That makes it extremely strong, uh, and the city should be extremely proud of the and with their staff. Um, I mean they put a lot of work into this thing. This wasn't just something we did real quickly. It took a lot of time to be able to um, herd cats to get people to provide the information to provide. Um, a boatload of information to the rating agencies on the financial strength of the utility system and the overall strong, strong management of the um, of the utility systems and and the city so uh, I definitely think this is something that the city should be extremely proud of and I look forward because of that to get a very aggressive um, interest rates thank you let's hope that we keep it like that in the future thank you
0: yeah and absolutely uh, thank you to Helena and Gwen and the entire team that you know work so hard to making sure that we can be at that level council any other questions councilman said, thank you nope okay thank you very much i appreciate it mark thank you again thank you okay moving on we will go to presentation two which is an overview of property taxes and millage or our trim rate
10: Good morning again, Council. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. We're gonna be talking to you about uh, property taxes and the trim rate. This is in preparation for our July 13th general fund meeting where uh, we will be discussing setting up the maximum millage rate. I will let uh, Gwen go ahead and get started, go over the timeline
12: and some of the information on the presentation. Good morning, Mayor and City Council. We're going to start mm-hmm. with our timeline. Um, so we will have a quick review of our budget timeline as you remember the process started in March with workshops to review survey results as well as the annual financial audit we covered the year-to-date budget results in April and have reviewed fund accounting and revenue restrictions today we will cover property taxes as you can see during july and august you will have many opportunities to review the budgets and ask questions as we go through the budget process so now we're going to start to talk about trim which is the truth in millage or trim Um, it establishes regulatory requirements all taxing authorities levy a millage must follow and requires full disclosure of the rates and amounts of taxes prior to levying the tax. The City of Palm Coast submits a package to TRIM for evaluation to make sure we have met the requirements. We receive a certification letter and all taxing authorities follow these same rules set by TRIM. So this is a look at the TRIM timeline. By June 1st, the property appraiser provided a total assessed value of non-exempt property. The city of Palm Coast received an estimate of $6.2 billion, an increase in 6.55% from the previous year. But by July 1st, the property appraiser will certify the taxable value, and within 35 days of the value certification, the current year proposed maximum millage rate must be set. So, what this means is July 13th, As Helena mentioned, we will bring the general fund budget presentation to City Council with the opportunity to set the maximum millage. As a reminder, the assessed millage can be reduced, but it cannot be increased after this point. So we will come to you July 20th to to adopt the proposed millage rate. So Helena will now go through the property tax. So,
10: determining your property taxes, there's three agencies. The property appraiser actually is responsible for the assessed value, so that determines the base for the calculation. There are um, several exemptions that are available to uh, residents, and that information determination is done by the property property appraiser's office. The net of those is our taxable value. it's kind of been established here in the city of Palm Coast that um, about $100,000 worth of taxable value is your average residential house. So uh, that amount is what is used as a multiplier in what city council set, which is the trim rate. The uh, millage rate once set, is multiplied by that taxable value and that gives us our property taxes. That brings us to the third agency, which is the tax collector who is responsible for collecting the taxes from the residents and submitting it back to the city of Palm Coast. So one of the exemptions that are available, of course, is the um, Save Our Homes Act. And this is a good example of how in the same street, very similar homes can have a very different taxable value and uh, be paying a very different uh, property tax. As you can see here in year one, we have two homes that started off with $100,000 uh, taxable value. One is subject to homestead and Save Our Homes Act and the other one isn't. So the of property can only increase by 3%. So as you can see in year three, the market value may be 150,000, but the taxable value maximum can only be 103. Um, As you see it going forward year three, that gap increases. So we sometimes get questions from residents, why in the same neighborhood or similar type homes, there's a difference in their uh, property taxes. It's due to how long ago did you purchase the home? How long has it been homesteaded? And what type of exemptions get applied to your uh, taxable value?
0: And (coughs) if I may just inject that, the homesteading act and save our homes. Eventually that creates an inequality between the value of the homes versus what we're actually receiving in ad valorem taxes. And it puts new, new cities with new construction, not at an advantage, but when new construction is built, they are receiving that full taxable amount. Mm-hmm. So as we move forward through time homes that are homestead, we end up having an inequality that widens as their property value expands. So Uh, Just something to keep in mind that uh, as we move forward, new development is taxed at the ad valorem tax rate and homesteading homes um, can be contributing less uh, proportionally.
10: Yes, that is correct. Uh, This is a look at last year's trim notice for a property with about $100,000 worth of taxable value. As you can see, there are many taxing authorities on the resident's property tax bill. The City of Palm Coast, accounts for about 23 percent of the total millage we have it circled there the portion that applies to the city of palm coast which is in this case was um, around 450 dollars out of the uh, 2098 in column 2. so a big portion of our taxes go to flagler county um, as well as the school board and then a few other taxing agencies on our next slide we'll have a better um, depiction of how they are distributed. As you can see here, uh, you look at a dollar and you say that 41 cents will go to Flagler County, 31 cents to the school board, and then 23 cents to Palm Coast, and then four cents is split among those other uh, taxing uh, districts.
0: This is a beautiful illustration of how our tax dollars are spent. So as a council, anyone ever wants to show someone where your tax dollar is going, that was a beautiful representation of that.
10: Thank you. Uh, So now, uh, Gwen will take us over how are the ad valorem taxes used in the city's
12: budget. So this is a chart of how your property taxes are used. This is from our fiscal year 2021 budget. The largest percentage is for public safety at 54% and 41% for streets, parks, and facilities maintenance. On the previous slide, we showed you that 23 cents from every dollar of tax goes to the city to provide services. That equates to $37.98 per month, or $456 per year per city resident. So this chart shows the history of the city's millage rate, property values, receipts collected, and population. Now, the population estimates are from the Bureau of Economic Business Research website. They provide the population estimates of the city's population every April 1st. So this information is from April, 2020. According to our community development department, we are close to 94,000 at this time.
0: And the property value column there, that's taxable property value or total property value?
10: That is our taxable uh, property value. Yes, as you can see, you look at the millage rate history and it has been the same since 2019. Our property values has been steadily increasing we did have a jump in the 2019 to 2020 but around that six and a half percent it's kind of normal here for the City of Palm Coast
13: who gets the homestead uh, uh, exemption
10: Uh, homestead exemptions are if you are a resident living in your home So, uh, the property appraisers office is responsible for collecting the information and determining whether, uh, you qualify for homestead exemption or not. They have a great, sorry.
0: Sorry. I'm sorry. I was gonna say it has to be your, your primary residence, right? Yes. It
10: has to be your primary residence and uh, they have a great deal of information on their uh, website. They actually have a link and a document that allows you to calculate, um, what your exemption is if you're looking at purchasing a new home, whether you have already portability that you can apply to that uh, property or not. Yep.
0: I didn't know about that, that you could transfer uh, the portability aspect that you yes. mentioned if you and have a homestead home. part home. Of the ca- Yeah, you moved to a new home, portability. Thank you.
12: Okay, so this is a chart of our millage rate comparison of Florida cities that have a population between 70,000 and 100,000 population. The information from this came from two different websites, the Florida Department of Revenue and the Office of Economic and Demographic Research. There are currently 16 Florida cities that fall into this population range. And of these 16 cities, Palm Coast has the fifth lowest millage rate. So of course, this is not apples to apples, Comparison, we don't have the details about these communities or the services that they offer.
0: I'm going to go ahead and say Boca Raton's property value is just a little bit higher, even if we don't have those details.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Is there there, uh, anything we could do? I had someone ask me this question for veterans for the um, exemption, the homestead exemption.
10: Uh, That would be with the property appraiser's office. See, the city of Palm Coast can only set the millage rate, the actual taxable value and the exemptions are set by the property appraiser's office. So the best thing would be to direct them to the office or to the
12: website.
0: Thank you. This is a great graph too. I mean, it really, if you can go back one slide, just shows the property values of these four. are cities on top of us that are able to have a lower millage rate. We're right in line if not, you know, I would say top tier if we're four point six nine millage rate and we have five billion dollars in taxable value, that's impressive compared to these other four cities from my for my purview, correct?
10: Yes, and with that population at ninety thousand in that case, but we're over that threshold now. So
5: yep.
12: So in closing, we want to remind the public of where they can find all of our budget information. Transparency is very important to us. As in previous years, we've set the fiscal year 2022 budget preparation link on the city's website. This is where we will post all of our presentations, budget timeline, and any supporting documentations and worksheets that detail department budgets to the level of salaries, benefits, operating expenditures. We will work with the communications team to make sure we are keeping the public updated on where to find all of this great information. As a reminder, we will be back on July 13th. Do you have any questions?
0: Council, any questions?
8: I just want to be clear on this. I will not be voting for any tax increase. I expect our taxes to be the same. So that's going to mean a millage rate rollback. That's the only thing I'm going to vote for please keep that in mind.
0: Fair enough. Councilman Barbosa? Um, Councilman Quino, if there's any comments.
7: No, not at this time.
0: Okay. And I would just like to thank Helena and Gwen, and I'm hopeful that when you come back on July 13th, that we can have a conversation that uh, doesn't deal with absolutes and that we see all perspectives.
10: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Okay. Presentation E3 we're gonna discuss our city manager search. Morning.
14: Good morning, Mayor, Council. It's a pleasure to be here today. Um, at the last council meeting, there were some questions regarding an executive search firm. So as, many, as with many processes, there's a starting point, and I would like to take a few minutes to give a brief overview of the history and the timeline of the previous process. Between January 2018 and March 2018, council had one-on-one meetings and gave direction and feedback on their criteria for an executive search firm. In March 2018, a Request for Solution, RFS, was sent out. The city received responses from four firms. After ranking the responses, council selected two firms to give 15-minute presentations. The two firms selected were Strategic Government Resources and Springstead Waters. In June of 2018, the RFS was awarded to Strategic Resource Government Resources, and in December 2018, the advertisement for a new city manager was launched. And March of 2019, the uh, semifinalist candidates were chosen, and the new That city manager started in, uh, the the selected candidate, started in uh, April of 2019. So I would like to talk about four options for council to consider. I'll give a brief overview of each option. So option one, request for solution, which is an RFS for a search firm. Option two would be a request for a proposal, which is an RFP for a search firm. Option three is internal search conducted by staff where staff would take council's direction and place ads Approved ads in various government publications Option four would be to appoint the interim as a full-time city manager A request for solution is called an RFS. I have a question since
8: they're in option five Um, Can't council members present their recommendations for a city manager?
14: Absolutely. No, I, didn't Th- see I think that, that on would ca- fall under option four where you could appoint.
8: Well we could appoint, but I'm just talking about presenting someone with
14: mm-hmm.
8: their credentials. Absolutely. Thank you.
14: The request for solution is a collaborative process in which the city would have dialogue with potential suppliers with the intent of collaborating to determine the best solution to meet the council's needs. RFS explore how a supplier may solve the problems or fill a need. The council gives limited direction on what the solution may be and the supplier creates and designs the solution to meet the requirements council gives. A request for solution, if council were to choose to put out an RFS, then you would direct staff to develop an RFS and engage in a search firm. The staff would present the RFS and then a resolution would come before council for approval. Um, The previous search firm that they had chosen, the uh, Strategic Government Resources, was chosen from an RFS. An RFP, which is a request for proposal, evaluates the merits of each vendor compared to one another. It is used to obtain pricing as well as detailed descriptions of services, methodologies, program management costs and other support provided by the supplier. RFPs dictate the structure of the competitive bids. As with the RFS, if you decided to go out with for an RFP, you could direct staff to develop an RFP. Uh, we would bring that before you, and uh, you, we, we would uh, put the RFP, which gives comprehensive descriptions of the details.
13: Option three costs how much?
14: Um, option three was between 25 and sixty thousand
13: that's for in-house
14: oh for in-house no yeah. for, I'm sorry in-house was uh, advertisements so that's we were um, guessing no more than eight thousand for ads depending on where you wanted them placed
0: and if I can just chime in the I honestly feel like um, and maybe we maybe we should continue down the options i just wanted to say my experience with the um, firm that we selected last time i feel like the candidates that they are pushing are basically in a churn of the city manager role you know they're basically headhunters and filling slots so i just wanted to say that i think we have staff capable of doing the same type of search that these firms are performing without the thumb on the scale you know trying to promote the individuals who are probably paying for their services to be placed as a city manager somewhere
8: I fully agree and they didn't do such a good job, last, a good job time. last time let's be honest
0: yeah i mean i we that was a uh, I i think it was a 5 5 to 0 vote and well yeah and, and i would say that the candidates to that include were produced my vote
8: or councilman Barboza's vote for yep. sure
0: a different time but different let's place save rent. the money Totally agree with that. I would say that I was disappointed with the resumes that they had produced for the first round. And that's what really uh, opened my eyes was, I wasn't certain that the spelling errors and grammatical errors in the resumes that they produced in the first round justified the level of service that they said they were providing. So just a little history, I'm sorry.
14: No, no. So if um, you were were to decide to go out for an RFS or an RFP, um, there's a few elements that would need to be considered. The scope of service, which outlines the project, the task, the documents to review, and these are all at council's choice. If you decide to do an RFS, you would also need to consider the evalu- evaluation criteria as well as the evaluation process in, in the ranking and selection, as well as feedback regarding the city manager's candidate profile on the qualifications that you would like to see in the candidates brought before you. A scope of service, typically the selected consultant is an expert in local government recruitment who provides professional recruitment services. The scope of services traditionally include collaborating with council to develop ideal qualifications, characteristics, and priorities for the city manager. Council's vision and long-term goals should be incorporated in the RFP, and the budget impact should be considered. Additionally, a realistic guide line for recruitment process and job placement should be decided. In the previous RFS, the evaluation criteria was based on experience, past performance, ability to collaborate, facilitate, and ability to reach a broad target uh, market. The projected cost and innovation and creativity was also considered. Council would be or is the evaluation committee and it's based on the ranking that they would shortlist and interview and pick the top firms. This is all at the ch- uh, council's choosing. So in conclusion, there are four options, five. Uh, the Option one is the RFS. Option two would be the RFP, which is cost between twenty-five dollars and $60,000, we're estimating. Internal, Option three would be internal, where the staff would facilitate the requirements set by council, and uh, we estimate that to not to exceed eight thousand dollars. And option four would be to appoint the interim as a full-time city manager. And option five would be for council to bring their candidates, I guess, before the other council.
0: And it may be best that if we have individuals who. We want to bring forward and present to the council that we put them through a process that we establish as our council so that they all flow through the same workflow Great. i think that's pretty fair and also just uh, i'm leaning towards option three and i'm pretty sure that's what we're talking about and the, the eight thousand dollars would most likely be advertisements through things like linkedin and dice.com and the monster that's understood okay.
14: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. okay any questions oh questions uh comments. all right councilman right. brinkino
7: Well, this is a tough one, and the reason why is it a tough one, because it has to do with transparency. And that's what we just not long ago won the award for, transparency. Uh, If you remember, a couple of years ago, uh, a county commissioner brought in a friend. turned out that he was all right. But he heard a lot of criticism for that. He heard a lot of criticism for that. And I fear that we just go blindly into uh, not at least seeing other people. I think we well served, to be honest with you, right, at this point. But in order to keep it transparent, I think we ought to see uh, what other people have to say and if they want to apply for the job, apply for a job. Now, for us to propose someone, I'm not saying it's unethical, but I don't know how trans, uh, transparent that would be. Thank you. Yep. Thank you,
0: uh, Mayor Rankino. I would also just like to note that I thought we had a great example of um, our staff and the quality of individual that they can select. Uh, with brad clark earlier i mean that is to the t something that we should be proud of because 28 people all are unified on choosing a leader that really shows that everyone's going to be able to work with them and i think that we're all proud of our city staff and we know that they have the ability and they're very capable of weeding someone out because they know their jobs better than us as a council do we we have we're high level we we deal with the city manager but for them to be able to have more of an opinion on who they think that they can work with and for and unify a team is really important to me on this go around i think i think that's where we'll have a lot of strength and transparency if you put this person through the same process even if it's one of our own uh, recommendations i think that's the cleanest most transparent way that everybody um, can get through this
8: I, i think it's our job pick their boss. You don't get to pick your own boss. So I fully disagree with that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I think that this is a leadership role and that the people who are going to be reporting to him should be involved. I I'm not saying that we- I don't ever recall in corporate America getting to pick my boss, yeah. honestly. Well, I recall many times it being a, a senior engineer interviewing our, our engineering management team. Perhaps we were in different corporate Americas. Okay, thank you staff. Um, presentation for a resolution approving the purchase of ESO software.
15: Good morning City Council, uh, and CIT I'm Doug IT Director, joined here by uh, Jerry Forte, Fire Chief, and uh, Kyle Berryhill, and we're here to present with you a recommendation to purchase Software. Good software
1: morning mayor council morning um, I'd like to start this discussion off about uh, this process started two years ago and at the time I was part of the public works division and uh, the fire department at the same time while we were transitioning to hire Matt Mansell and, and I, I I start with that story because we had some of the same concerns in both departments and it was addressed to somewhat in the GFOA report for the ERP, but it was were the end users, most of the information from GFOA related to the finance and the HR departments, whereas as the end users, we don't generate city reports. Um, The fire engine or the ladder truck that we were using um, was in disrepair. It was, we were losing time on it. We were spending a lot of money on it and the recommendation came from fleet to say that we need to replace it sooner than the the 15 years that we're supposed to get out of it. Um, When I asked the fleet for a report on how much time we're actually down, um, how many miles per hour it's going and and the utilization of it and the overall breakover point of what that truck is worth, um, it took a day and a half to gather that information because they didn't have the software available to do the information that I requested. Um, That being said, I went back to our fire department, IT department, Um, Leo Chumacero and Julie Rivera are our specialists that work with Doug and his team to get the data and the information. And I asked a simple question is, how many runs did that ladder truck go on uh, over the period of its lifetime? And they said, we don't have the analytics to do that. So we presented to council two years ago. And the idea was, can you go to the ERP program find out what kind of information that you can gather from whoever the source would be. They went to GFOA and a lot of the meetings that occurred between our IT folks and GFOA and Doug occurred. And and the resounding answer was that GFOA couldn't make a recommendation on our medical and fire software. um, And we also didn't have a fleet management software that could give us those analytics off of a fleet that's so large as what we've got. So I I tell you that to tell you where we are today as um, our software is ending its end of life, which we we knew two years ago. We're at a point that we need to make a decision on it. Um, The work with Julie and Leo and Doug's team um, has been phenomenal. They've done a lot of research and I believe we're ready to make a recommendation for your consideration next Tuesday uh, on the 22nd on moving forward on what the GFOA recommended as far as our software in the future. Presenting will be our interim fire chief, Kyle Berryhill, and he'll take it from here.
16: Good morning, council. Morning. 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 So let's talk about a little bit what a record management system is um, with regards to the fire service. So every time a crew responds to an emergency, we generate some records. Um, And it usually boils down into uh, a couple of different categories. First, every uh, incident generates a fire incident report. And then if there's a medical report associated with that, that would be a different or separate report currently um, and additional requirements for data and information. We also use our record management system for our inspection process. And so um, as we're generating these reports and collecting this data, um, we're required to share this data with some of our partner agencies, our transport agency and Flagler County Fire Rescue um, with our local hospital providers um, and with the state of Florida, both medical and fire related. And then we also choose to participate in the National Fire Incident Reporting Systems. And by choosing to do so, we become eligible both to be a part of the National Fire Service conversation about what's best practices, and also um, to be a part of, uh, it makes us eligible for federal grants. And we've gotten quite a few of those in our time. Additionally, we use this data to to predict our future needs, um, to continue, continue to ensure that we're maintaining our quality that's required by you and our citizens and to overall improve the health and safety of the city of palm coast we can go ahead Doug. so this is the volume kind of the data as we're looking at it here in 2020 fire programs processed 918 calls per month um, 11,000 reports annually we continue to see that rise we talked to you guys about that when we presented our 10-year plan um, in 2021 we've processed 818 fire inspections we do an inspection on every business every year currently we're actually working on making that process better. And we've done a lot since captain Holmes has been involved to be better uh, to our businesses. That's our goal. Our goal is to always help them be safe. That's what we want. And we've had 929 citations where we've helped them to get better and be a little safer. In 2020 document process 9189 records. So you see there's not quite the overlap between every medical report and every fire report. There's a fire report every time there's only a medical report when it's necessary. So that's a total of 21,030 records processed by both applications. Go ahead, Doug. So every call goes into Fire Programs, and we utilize that on a dedicated server right now. I don't know if you guys know, but there's some new technology called the cloud that's a little bit better than stuff like that. Heard of um, it? Fire Programs will no longer support the current software, and um, and <clears throat> it it's creating for us a lot of uh, it creates a lot of additional staff time for us to do the analytic work that we want to do to make the best decisions for our citizens. Um, document is the warehouse for all EMS. Oh, I didn't say fire programs has been our program since 1998. We've, we've gotten a little bit better since then. Document has been the warehouse for document is the warehouse for all our EMS uh, uh, reporting since 2020. And so like I said, every fire call does not require a medical report, but um, we do do a medical report for every call, and there's some confidentiality issues associated with our medical reporting, ensuring that we're doing the right thing by the people who, in their time of need, called for us. And we also wanna maintain continuity of care, so when they leave us and they get into the rescue, what happened and what we saw needs to also go with them to the hospital, and then the hospital is gonna need that data too, and that's one of our challenges today. So go ahead. So our present state is that Um, FIRE programs has become so outdated that we're consistently getting kickbacks from the state for improper coding that we're having to manually re-enter it's not compatible with our current Windows operating system Um, the dedicated server provides a very limited functionality Um, we can do better and we know it Um, at some point with the transition for document the hospital will no longer accept document as the emergency as the electronic health record And that's going to create us daily driving or faxing. Um, I'm not sure what the security issues will be. Paper records to them. And it won't be real time so that it can be used to process and do the best for our citizens, which is our mandate. Um, There's no inspection component of the future of these things. So right now we use two softwares to do three jobs. We'll have to purchase a third software if we were to continue that. And the station location study identified some real challenges associated with using this, using these programs to analyze the data and there's much better things today and that's what we're going to tell you about now. So before I get to a solution, right now we're using two um, products to do three things and they're not going to be able to do those things to meet our needs in the future. So we know the time is ripe to do something else. Um, So, our solution is uh, to, or our proposed solution is to uh, engage with ESO solutions. They have a CAD, integrated CAD as our computer-aided dispatch system, so it will automatically populate the data. This will make our ability to do our job um, for reporting both faster, it won't take as long, it'll also be more accurate. And this is a time-sensitive data business. Sometimes this data can go to the hospital and affect patient outcomes, and we really want to do our best in those situations. It's cloud-based, so a patient's record will automatically follow. There won't be kind of the clunkiness associated with um, a dedicated server. Um, It's kind of like going from stone tablets to the iPhone. Maybe that's a little bit extreme, maybe a little hyperbolic, but um, it's not that. But one of the things we've noticed as far as analytics, we identified two specific issues that we believe we'll be able to do better. One is the second call in a zone, so when engine 21 goes somewhere and then Their neighbor or across the street has another call how do we do in those situations we can't isolate that we have to find it and figure it out and it's really a challenge for us right now we wouldn't say that we know exactly how good we do And the second is when there's a multi-unit call in the same district around the same time so when one incident eats up two or three or four of our units how do we respond to the next available time like that and every time we have summer lightning strike season we we get these kind of things we'll be able to isolate and look at those things in a better way um, with this solution Um, Additionally, the consultant um, said that uh, that these activities are not associated with the ERP. Right. And so for for them not to be a part. Additionally, um, the solutions for that would be consistent with the ERP, they don't exist. Um, So um, when we propose this solution, we will begin uh, in compliance with the National Fire Incident Reporting System, our federal grant abilities, and part of that National Fire Service conversation. But even more importantly, we have statutory requirements for the state of Florida that we will begin, begin, um, not begin, we will continue to meet all those requirements and it won't take additional staff time. We're not going to miss those requirements, but in order to do it now, we're taking extraneous processes um, to get that done. And the most important thing is that the continuity of patient care. When When you or your family calls and asks for our help, um, we're going to be able to go and worry about that, and then the data is going to follow because that's the, that's how it's processed to do. It won't have to be separate, and it won't be late. It'll be on time. Go ahead. So our recommendation is um, that we migrate to the ESO platform. It'll be one solution for fire medical and our inspections. It'll comply with the state requirement for reporting and the data sharing that we have to do with our medical partners. It'll also enable us to be a part of that NIFRS conversation that uh, makes us federal grant eligible and part of the fire service best practices conversation. Um, and then finally, um, it'll dramatically increase our analytic capability. Um, uh, Councilman Clufus re- mentioned how data-driven Chief Clark is, I've been a direct effector of that. Uh, I've gotten to experience that greatly, and I can't imagine what he's going to be able to do to make us great um, with this type of analytic abilities. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Mr. Akins, who's going to uh, tell us a little bit about the finances. So as far as the, the cost
15: goes, uh, there is a one time cost of $17,000, $995. Uh, that's to set up the platform as well as to migrate the data from uh, fire programs and document um, $15,000 and 97 uh, $15,097 is the prorated amount of the annual cost that we pay this year. And with discounts, the total we're asking for is $29,958. We have $30,000 in the IT Software Contingency Fund. and We're seeking council approval to move that out into our software fund for the purchase of this. And $30,000, 195 is the annual cost this will cost us in the coming years. From a software perspective, um, looking at how this integrates with other software and the analytics will give us, uh, I can wholeheartedly recommend moving the fire department to ESO software.
7: Thank you Excellent <coughs> Council I just uh, I, th- I have a question for the chief Chief uh, if, we, uh, if you get to enter that uh, ESO platform, uh, would that help with the
16: ComStats and your CAD system so there isn't essentially a comp stat for fire service um, he's referring to a system that was developed in New York under Mayor Giuliani in the '90s that really had a lot of effort in um, a great effect in reducing their crime rate on a day-to-day uh, change New York City dramatically, um, and is the model for policing in the in the country. But it would create for us the ability to do CompStat-like things, um, Mayor, and we're really excited about that. Maybe to see if something comes up in a in an area we we see like a hot spot, and we could affect a, a before rather than an after, and, a, and uh, save lives uh, in that way. And it would be tremendous for us. We're really excited about the opportunity. Excellent. Thank you.
0: I'm sorry Councilman Barbosa anything to help save lives Councilman Danko I I think this is an excellent choice Uh,
8: just one question this annual cost this yearly cost is that a fixed yearly cost is it for five years what's the range on that and will these folks I assume be upgrading this software as we move along as (coughs) part of that cost
15: Uh, Because it is cloud-based, it is upgraded on their end, uh, so there's nothing we have to do for upgrades, and all that cost, again, is incurred by them of maintaining the software and keeping it up to date. Uh, The contract, I believe, is a uh, five-year contract, um, so that cost would be fixed for five years.
8: Fixed for five years?
0: Okay, thank you. Excellent, and I will add that I'm excited that we'll be able to model our data in a way that will be optimized to be able to allow federal grants uh, participation and also the time it's going to save, um, I'm sure there's countless number of hours. I, with the data models that I have seen from the fire department, I can't begin to imagine the pain that it must have been to get the data out into a manipul- manipulatable state. Uh, also, you mentioned sunsetting, uh, the current Windows operating system, and for other council members, that's that's really important because when Microsoft starts to sunset their operating systems, does this stuff run on XP or something ancient like that, Windows 7 or something?
15: Fire programs? Yes. Yeah. it's. it's uh Old. Yeah. I am on a support call with a a few weeks ago. I yes. <laughs>
0: Fair <laughs> enough. And what
15: happens, uh,
0: Microsoft will no longer offer security patches for these systems, and they become an attack vector for other type things like these ransomware attacks and stuff that we hear about in the news. So the term sunsetting doesn't sound that scary, but it does open up a whole other attack vector that I'm happy that we'll be closing with this too. So thank you.
16: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, moving on to presentation number five. It's an ordinance about slow way road closure.
4: joke here somewhere it's just alluding no, sorry about good morning mayor city council sorry about that uh, Virginia and I didn't coordinate this very well Enough. yes
0: it was stuck in the inner tubes all yeah. oh, the pressure of trying to find a file with everyone waiting
9: <laughs> there we go.
4: Okay, good morning Mayor, City Council. How are you? Well, <laughs> sorry sorry about that. Okay, uh so um slow way, you're all familiar we've um, seen you several times. Just a little bit of a recap. Our first reading on this was on February the 16th and then we came back in uh, March uh, for the second reading and um, we were asked to coordinate uh, with Flagler County and also look at some different options and that's what we're going to provide you today. So uh, Ms. Bevan and I met with county administration on site on uh, May the 9th and a summary of that meeting was that the um, county didn't have any objections to the closure of Slow Way and uh, they would um, work with us on a signing solution. Basically, we would provide the, the sign locations, the solution and the signs themselves and, and county staff would install them at the locations we requested if you uh, would like to close slow way. Uh, we also con- talked about the truck turnaround that had, had been considered a few times and um, County roads typically don't have a a truck turnaround and you can see in in the um, subject area three being where slow way is one and two as well don't have an opportunity for a a truck to turn around. So um, that option wasn't considered at this time. Um, This is uh, what the signage solution would look for uh, if you decide to close slow way. Uh, no-outlet signs at uh, the entrance to 325 uh, just off the roundabout and then uh, four additional no-outlet signs at the corner of 325 and 330 to indicate the drivers that there is no uh, way to uh, continue out. We also took a look at um, our truck route ordinance and um, Seminole Woods Boulevard is included in that And we could uh, install uh, road signage uh, for um, truck route, if you prefer. And um, we can have enforcement of that on the city's roads. However, the county does not have a truck road ordinance, uh, truck route ordinance. So um, signage and enforcement would uh, not be possible on the county portion of the roads. And uh, so conflicting enforcement could be uh, an issue Uh, This is um, a photo taken at that meeting with county administration Um, as you can see we continue to see um, see damage from uh, large trucks going through this area. That's the corner of slow way and slow drift. Um, You you know from previous presentations the stop sign has been hit several times. That is a new stormwater pipe that was installed in April to help with drainage and it's already um, indicated some uh, damage to the concrete portion on the top, and you can see the ruts in, in the um, swale already. So um, this just being a workshop, we're just gonna provide you with some options, um, and then we're scheduled to, um, for a second reading on July the 6th. Now, if you would like to make no changes to slow way, wi- slow obviously, we don't need to bring it back for a second reading. Um, if you would like to um, go the, the truck route signage way, uh, again, we would not have to come back for a second reading, uh, staff can do that if you, if you'd like. Uh, but if you would like to continue towards uh, the closure of slow way and the coordination with the county, uh, then we'll bring the ordinance back to you for second reading on July the 6th. And that is all I have. All right, Council. do we want to flush this out uh,
0: comments? It's my opinion and I'll go first the proposed uh, council options I think if we were to take action and I'm hopeful to hear all of our opinions that we would probably go with Option C then B we put the signage out there And I think the plan for the signage may even be able to be improved with like a road closed ahead sign Instead of no outlet just something that's really obvious like right after you turn onto that road so the truckers no through traffic. Yeah, I, I fear just that no truck turnaround is totally understood Especially because the county doesn't really have any, you know set rules around that but backing all the way down That would be ter- terrible. So to alleviate that in my head I think it's reasonable that if there was a sign there that said no th- no through traffic or road closed ahead almost right at the beginning So that you know fair warning see
8: it at the beginning. Yeah, when we close the road
0: and even and the no outlet sign isn't like scary enough Almost like road closed is
8: I, I'm just curious though. I mean at some point, doesn't the county need to address that? I mean, it's, it's theirs, right?
4: Uh, no, sir. The slow is ours.
8: No, address
4: the turnaround on the county, the county on road. The county oh, road. that's their problem. Yeah, I mean, in discussing with county administration, we could put a variable message sign out on um, out on US one to or at the entrance uh, of but Have uh, they given any
8: thought to actually creating a bit of a turnaround at the end of that road?
4: No, it's that's not how their roads generally operate their problem and
0: if just speaking of amongst our council members now that this is um, a little bit you know more calm discussion the individuals from that area that brought items forward a lot of those seems like they they could be alleviated and they weren't necessarily like the worst of the worst uh, uh, situations that were put in if they had to go through our our fence uh, with the roundabout i didn't see too many issues personally i know that they were very adamant about that, but in my humble opinion, they still didn't outweigh the non 0% chance of a child being injured on that I corner. I fully
8: agree. I think we need. We'll, so we're going to bring this back July 6th? Yes, sir. For a vote? Yes, Is yes that sir. Correct? Oh, I think, uh, I think it's I time may. we take action and close that road.
7: Okay. If I may, uh, I saw, uh, Jason, you showed the picture of some damage done. I, there you go. If you go to Eric and East Hampton, just about the same. And i talk about Eric and East Hampton, which is where I live. My problem, my concern with this, once again, goes back to safety. <coughs> and goes back to safety, strictly safety here. Uh, you believe that putting the truck signs, no outlet signs are gonna work because they're gonna be respected. Well, if sign's gonna be respected, I would propose to put a do not enter sign in each sign of slow way, and people will respect those signs also. And meanwhile, there will be no problem with with safety. See if you understand me, I wanna put one, if they're gonna respect the signs of no outlet signs, okay, they also gonna respect the do not enter sign. Fine. You could put a do not enter sign unless for emergency vehicles, of course, on each side of Slow Way. That's that simple. Thank
0: you. I, th- I think that's pretty fair, and that brings up an interesting thought. Do we want to stagger the approach to this? Do we try first with the science to see if it improves the situation? You, you know, if
8: you're driving a big truck, a big semi, and you see a sign that says no turnaround, it's on you. I mean, you're experienced driver, you're not going to go all the way down to the end just to discover what the sign has told you. Um, if you do, then spend, spend the rest of your day backing out. But I don't think any experienced driver is going to do that. However, I think if we put up do not enter signs, I think people have been cutting across there will continue to cut across there despite those signs. You know, Unless we have law enforcement there writing tickets all day long, I don't think that's gonna work out of respect to Councilman Burkino. I just don't think that's a great idea.
0: Is it possible maybe that we try that for an interim period with the science to see if they do still go down that road before we- I, I, I'm in favor of closing the road and just now before any child gets hurt. Yep, I think as a safety issue for sure, I, I would just like to see how uh, a little bit of a science experiment seeing the, how people actually and, respond. And if some kid down. gets hit, during that experiment. That's not
13: going to sit very well with you.
0: No. And I was just I'm worried about the trucks backing up back onto us one. That's what I'm worried about. Well, there's a
13: street there is well, it 70 something right. I think there's, there's a street there on the left oh. side.
0: Okay. But I mean, they are professional drivers. <laughs> uh, allegedly. Yeah, I see uh, them going around that stop sign. So <laughs> professional to a degree. And the
7: rest of us can't drive and the rest of us don't respect signs can't drive. Is that what I'm hearing?
8: I just think the people that have been using that as a cut-through are not going to be discouraged because of a sign. And I, th- I think that's them. I'm not saying the rest of us. Just the ones that have continued to use it will ignore those signs.
7: So we'll close the street because some people will not respect the sign. Is that what I'm hearing? The street
13: hearing? because of a safety issue.
7: And, there also and is I'm about the safety. That's why I don't want it closed.
13: There, there also is uh, the highway, uh, the county road is a dirt road. So when they go on, come onto our city road, they're bringing all this sand and dirt. I don't know if uh, any of the councilmen ride a motorcycle, but when you give a little gas on sand or dirt, you will s- fall. <laughs> I mean it is in my so, youth. I don't, so do it anymore. I don't know if, if that county is going to um, are they planning to pave this road anytime soon? Uh, we didn't discuss that. Yeah, that might be something we want to ask them because it's, it's it's a big concern to me because I, I ride a lot, <laughs> and w- once you hit that dirt, and, and I've heard that the bar or whatever restaurant on the corner, they have a lot of uh, bike bike week uh, festivals, so it's it's a pretty big concern. Bikes cu- cutting through there and hitting that sand patch, it's not fun when you hit it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's I mean, got to think about that.
0: Okay, I'm willing, um, if we wanted to try to come to a a compromise here, we don't want to try the signs first and see if the psychological issue of the signs, maybe maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. I don't. Okay. Any other questions, comments? Okay, moving forward. Thank you. Thank you, you, staff. Uh, Written items, we have a resolution approving the 2021 FIND grant for the Waterway cleanup. Florida Inland Navigation District. Morning.
2: If I may, um, this is a standard agreement with the Florida Inland Navigation District in support of our annual waterway cleanup, a much anticipated cleanup for now, it would be 14 years if Council does uh, support it going forward. Um, Jordan Myers is here to answer any questions that you may have.
0: Morning.
17: I so guess um, we're going to have the waterway cleanup again. It'll be on September 4th. I believe if I have the date correct. Um, it's going to be a little bit more involved than last year. Last year, we we're all social distancing. It was just pick up and, and go clean up on your own. So we will have a little bit more of an event this year, but not our full blown usual event. Um, so it will be more of an event for for citizens and slowly getting us back to back to the normal event. Excellent.
0: I personally look forward to the results. It's always interesting to see what they pull out of the intercoastal, coastal and it, it's uh incredible i'm incredibly proud of the thousands of pounds of trash that we've removed from the intercoastal so thank you to you staff and all the participants and i'm i'm hopeful that in a non-covid environment we'll be able to get even more people back out there absolutely uh, council members do we have any questions or comments for staff okay thank you very much i appreciate it look forward to seeing out there attentively uh, uh, september 4th you said yes. all right Thank you. okay moving to public participation Anyone who did not speak on the front end of this meeting can participate, come up to the podium, state your name for the record. You'll have three minutes once you do so.
17: Janie Holly, and um, I would like to thank Mr. DiLorenzo and everybody with the city for their diligence in this slow way issue. I just wanna do a quick recap because I do live at that intersection. Nobody knows that traffic better than I do because I hear it all day and sometimes half the night. There is commercial traffic. There are dump trucks. There are semis. There is all sort of construction traffic. This is the construction traffic. There's the vehicular traffic. All this traffic is tearing up. Those streets are not designed for that kind of traffic. And it's a major safety issue. I took two pictures this morning on the way here of portable basketball goals. Yeah, they're on Sloganeer, but if you come through Sloganeer, well, you're going to get up to Sloganeer to get out to Seminole Woods. These are kids, these are basketball goals where kids are trying to play. And one of them within is within probably less than 75 feet of Seminole Woods. A car coming off the of Seminole Woods is not going to see a child out there playing basketball. It's a major, major, major safety control. I mean, you've got damage. There's probably been close to two dozen stop signs taken down at slow way and slow drift turn, putting more signs up. If people aren't going to stop for a stop sign, they're not going to pay attention to any more signs. That's just the way they do. I mean, there are more people than me. This was initially started around 2005, 2006, but the previous administration never carried it forward. There's more people than me, but because of repercussions on social media, they don't say anything because they're scared, I'm not scared. It's just, and there's so much future development being planned on Old Dixie Highway that eventually that development and that traffic is gonna come through and it's gonna trickle up through here too. Closing off that road with that gate is the only responsible thing for the citizen's safety that can be done, thank you.
0: Thank you, next speaker. I see none. I will close public comment. Okay, moving on to discussion of city matters by city council not on the agenda. I will start with Mayor Branchino.
7: Not at this specific time, no.
0: Okay. Uh Council Councilman Barbosa.
13: Yeah, um as on uh showing the residents and our city employees that the council could work together, uh I would like to make a motion to uh end his uh pretty good job doing it. I'd like to make a motion to, uh,
9: make Nick Lufus, uh, vice mayor. Appreciate the motion, but this is a workshop. Okay, I'll do it. So we can't do it today. I'm, I'm right. so sorry. I would, lo- I would love to facilitate that, but uh, we need to do it at a business meeting.
0: Thank you. Okay. It grow two
9: sizes. That's really good. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Councilman Danko.
8: Uh, I think it's time we take down this plexiglass.
0: And on a note to that, I was also thinking um, pre-COVID, when we had our workshops, we used to sit back at the table that was back there. And in my opinion, it creates a much more personal, like, I don't wanna say intimate environment, but more of a casual like conversation type environment. I feel very formal and it's hard for me to- Especially with,
8: but I also think it's time we start broadcasting our workshops too. Because I understand sitting back there, we only had audio. I understand now, even though we have the cameras, we're not pumping these things out. I think you know I don't mind sitting up here if this stuff's gone. I think most importantly though, the public should be able to see us.
0: Sure, I, I concur. I, I guess we could have city staff look at the applicability of being able to have visions back there. I don't know to be honest. Yeah, I don't they, know yeah. if there's cameras or not, but but certainly this should go. Yep, and um, I'm I'm concur with that. I think we're at a point now where that's very very much a legitimate thing, and I. I very much endorse the more casual environment for these workshops because they're supposed to be more conversation based and get all of our thoughts out there. So the dye mixed with the plexiglass. I concur is uh, not conducive to that type of environment. Um, I would just like to say congratulations to Riley Opelka who got to the third uh, round of the French open. That's a a major tennis event, uh, one of the four slams. So congratulations, Riley. I'd also like to thank uh, Denise and Chief Forte for the exceptional job that they've done this far and I appreciate all the communication and I'm hopeful that the trajectory of our city is still uh, in, the, in the upward trend and I'm thankful to have you guys here Thank you. absolutely uh, a discussion by a city attorney of matters on uh, the agenda I, I,
7: I did, uh, oh I'm sorry I, Kim. I'm sorry mayor I just uh, like to say that I'll answer councilmember Rosa face-to-face when I'm there about uh, you being uh, nominated you for uh, vice mayor He's absolutely entitled to do that, but I think there's reasons behind that, and uh, therefore I'll avoid commenting it right now. Uh, and I may ask him, "Do you want me to quit? Is that is that would that make you feel better, sir?" And that's my comments for now, because I say it face to face. Thank you. Okay, that's interesting. <clears throat> Just <laughs> I- if
9: if I may, and I don't want to speak for oh, joke. Um, for the council members, my understanding's oh, yes. my understanding that it would be. Um, uh, Mr. Mayor, you would continue to be the, the acting mayor. It would be for Mr. Klufus to be the, the acting vice mayor.
7: If uh, had a chance to vote on that, and they didn't want it, what changed?
9: Again, this is a workshop, so we can discuss this okay. at the next very meeting. Good.
0: Okay. Uh, discussion by City Attorney of Manders, on the agenda? Okay. No. And discussion by City Manager of manners not on the agenda. This is a big one. Anything?
2: I do. Perfect. I have uh, two items. So the first item is thank you to the fire department. Over the weekend, I understand that we had staff at Lowe's and Home Depot providing the disaster preparedness guides. And as I'm sure all of us are aware, we are in hurricane season. So please communicate. I hope our citizens are listening that it's time to plan and prepare and get ready for hurricane season. Um, The second item is also safety-related. We did get an update from Flagler County EOC about the pandemic and the status, and I'd like to turn it over to Chief Forte to provide us an update.
1: Thank you, Ms. Bevin, and Council Mayor again. Um, Over the weekend, we were informed by Jonathan Lord that the local state of emergency will end as of yesterday. Uh, He sent out his last situation report on June 4th. Yay, it's over. We're moving forward um, one thing that we need to recognize is the work that jonathan lord has done uh, for the past year and a half um, tirelessly dedicated um, this individual has led this county moving forward um, trying to keep up with everything and keeping everybody informed and uh, we all owe as a county jonathan a, a debt of gratitude for what he's done um, he did announce that the the three vaccines moderna pfizer and johnson and johnson are still available um, you can go to the flaglercounty.org site um, forward slash covid and get a list of locations of where you can get a, a, a vaccination if you so choose um, those will re, will continue to be in, available um, as for the hurricane season our palm coast team comprised of um, thomas Goney, who's one of our captains and bill carrick who's our firefighter um, have a background in emergency management and will continue to work and support Jonathan Lord and his endeavors. Um, we are hoping that we don't get a hurricane this year. Um, but I know our team is going to be working with Jonathan and hopefully um, have a safe year and work with them together. So that's all I've got. Thank you. Thank you. That's it? That's it.
0: Awesome. Entertain a motion for adjournment. I'll make it. I'll make that motion. All right, Jonathan.